Back on April 1st, we remembered and celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection story is our story. It's the story of hearts being filled with new life. And that's why we gather on this first day of the week to to worship, to lift our voices, to lift our hearts, to lift our hands in, in praise and adoration to our risen and ascended Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, In you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And you, you can put your name there. That's how personal this story is. That's how personal the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is. In you, he made alive. New life was given who were dead in trespasses and sins. He writes in Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 6, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 states, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life, new life, to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You. The text says, if the Spirit, if the Spirit dwells in you, then God will give life to your mortal bodies. Write Romans 8, 11 down if you're taking notes. The text once again says, if the Spirit dwells, lives in you, then God will give life to to your mortal bodies. God does not want you to be unsure if you have his spirit dwelling, living inside of you. Your own resurrection, your own personal resurrection and eternal life depends on it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it tells us how we can be sure that the Holy Spirit lives in us. The apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost preaching such a powerful message. He preaches, repent, and be baptized to the multitudes who had gathered to celebrate the, the Feast of Pentecost. He preaches, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance is a decisive turning away from sin and self-direction to follow Jesus Christ. Baptism in his name, water baptism in his name is an act of obedience that signifies death to your old life and faith in Christ to help live a new life according to his perfect Will And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us this new life. He imparts to us the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. In today's main scripture text, 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how many people here this afternoon, this morning are in Christ? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for your beautiful presence in our midst. We thank you for the beautiful name of Jesus. We thank you for the resurrection of our Savior. We thank you for our great high priest, the one who ascended into heaven and is seated at your right hand, forever making intercession for us, representing us before your holy throne. We're so grateful for our Savior. We're so grateful for Jesus. We're so grateful for the Holy Spirit, our helper, our comforter, the one that you have sent to lead and guide us in your truth. And I pray through his power, you would speak through your servant. Open our hearts, open our minds to the truth of your word today, that you would be glorified through the preaching of your word and we all would be built up and strengthened in our faith. And we pray, God, that maybe there are those here today, they're seeking, they're searching. We pray through the power of your spirit that you would draw them to your love. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Notice the language in today's main scripture text. And Paul doesn't say, Becoming new. There's no process. It's a done deal. And this is important for us to really understand. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Not becoming new. All things have become new. And this is so critically, critically important. The old has gone. And the new has come. It has happened. This transformation has taken place in Christ Jesus, our risen and ascended Lord. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's not becoming a new creation. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. They've already passed away. We're not waiting for the old things to pass away. They've already passed away. The old things refers to everything that is part of our old nature. Pride. Love of sin. Self-righteousness. Self-promotion. And self-justification. And the list can go on and on, along with the old passing away. The Apostle Paul says, behold, all things have become new. Our new life in Christ delights in the things of God and hates the sinful pleasure of the world and the flesh that we once pursued and enjoyed. It's what we did naturally. We didn't even have to think about it. It was just the thing that we did naturally. We just love to sin naturally. We love the pleasures of the world. We pursued the pleasures of the world naturally. The new life is never comfortable around the old. Write that on your notes. The new life is never comfortable around the old. How many have been raised in newness of life in Christ Jesus? 
How many here today are comfortable around the old? You don't have to raise your hand. But the new life is never comfortable around the old. Our new life in Christ has new desires. And we see the world differently. The Bible seems to be a new book. And, and though we may have read it in the past several times, there is a, a beauty about it which we never saw before. There are new feelings towards people, a new kind of love toward family and friends, a new compassion never felt for, for enemies, and, and a new love for everyone. The sin we once held on to, we now desire to put away forever. I'm going to trade mics. Is that okay? Thank you, Pastor Dan. Paul writes, behold, all things have become new. The word behold stops you in your tracks. The word is be stunned. Let's think about this word for a moment. Behold, be stunned, be very stunned. You are a new creation. Think about this church this morning. Be very stunned. You are a new creation, the spiritual product of the gracious and life-giving power of God. It is a breathtaking reality. There is real visible evidence that all things have become new. It's God's doing. Not your doing, not my doing. It's God's doing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the apostle Paul is teaching on the doctrine of regeneration. Regeneration is the miracle of God's grace. Regeneration is the work of the Holy Spirit giving or imparting new spiritual life, God's life, heaven's life to us. That's remarkable. That's a miracle. Another word for regeneration is rebirth, related to the biblical phrase, born again. In fact, Jesus said in John 3, 3, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Our rebirth is distinguished from our first birth when we were conceived physically and inherited our sin nature. You see, the, the new birth is a spiritual, holy, and heavenly birth that results in our being made alive spiritually in Christ Jesus. Man, that's you and I in his natural state is dead in trespasses and sins, and we're made alive, regenerated by Christ. And Paul writes about this as he pens his epistle, his letter to the church in Ephesus. This happens when we place our faith and trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Again, it's God's doing. Can we just praise him, church? It's God's doing. It's God's doing. This new life, being a new creation, is God's doing. We can't take any credit for it whatsoever. The Old Testament prophet Ezekiel was given a vision of a day when God would do a supernatural work in the very heart 
of his own people, the Israelites. And I reference Ezekiel chapter 36 on Resurrection Sunday. He prophesied there in chapter 36, verses 25 and 26, I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Hundreds of years before Christ was born, Hundreds of years before Christ gave himself on the cross, God promised to take out our old sinful heart and give us a new one that could contain his very presence, his holy presence. When Jesus walked the earth, he taught a parable of the wineskins. He said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, you cannot put new wine into old wineskins, the wineskins will burst and both will be ruined. His meaning was clear. The new wine of God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, cannot be contained in the old wineskins of the human heart. There must be a new wineskin. God cannot put his gift of perfect righteousness in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit into the same sin-stained human vessel. You see, for us to carry his presence, he would need to make us new. We needed a new heart. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, can we say in Christ? He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have a new position. In Christ describes every believer's new position in new realm of existence. You see, before we were born again into the kingdom of God, our existence was in Adam, the first Adam, not the last Adam. Jesus is the last Adam. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22a says, For as in Adam all die. In Adam we were spiritually dead under the dominion, supreme authority, we were under the power, jurisdiction, sway. We were under the sway, the control, absolute ownership of the sin virus we inherited from Adam, the first Adam. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22b, the second part. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. How many have been made alive in Christ? It's glorious. According to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, we are accepted in the beloved. I love that passage. We are accepted in the beloved because we've been raised in new life with Christ. We are accepted in the beloved. The Greek word for accepted is highly favored. I'm just blown away by the grace of God. We're highly favored. We're so unworthy. It's grace, church. It's grace. It's God's doing. It's nothing we've done. It's nothing we are. It's because of God's grace in God's grace alone. The Christian's new position in Christ is highly favored. We are no longer seen as children of Adam, but as God's children. Isn't that glorious, church? This is a game changer when we really begin to understand the depths of these truths. It's a real game changer. Adam was the head of the old creation. 
in Christ, who is the last Adam, is the head of the new creation. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45 says, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. In Christ, we have a new life. Resurrected by the power of the Spirit. You and I have been resurrected by the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. In Christ, we have a new life. In Christ, we have a new relationship with God. Before we were annihilated, we were separated from God. But in Christ, we have a new relationship with God. We have a new citizenship in God's kingdom. A new family, the church, the the body of Christ. A new purpose, God's will. A new destiny, heaven. Earth is not our home. This present earth is not our home. In fact, the Bible says it is passing away. This earth is passing away. We have a new destiny. It's heaven. It's a new heaven, amen? There's a new earth that's to come. In Christ, we have a new perspective. Not only do we have a new position in Christ, we have a a new perspective. We have a new view of people around us. Our view of people changes in Christ. We see them as sinners for whom Christ died. I remember being on vacation and, and... One night, um, we went down to Disney Springs, and we were walking around, and the place was just mobbed, thousands and thousands of people there just walking and going in and out of shops. And, and I'm walking, and I'm thinking, as I'm passing different people, saying and asking myself, does this person know Jesus? 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 Does this person know that Jesus rose from the grave? Multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of people. We pass multitudes of people on a weekly, daily, monthly, yearly basis, don't we, church? We have a new view of people around us in Christ. In Christ, we have a new perspective, a new view. We see them as sinners from whom Christ died. We no longer see them as friends or enemies, customers or co-workers. We see them the way Christ sees them, as lost sheep who need a shepherd. We're compelled to share his love with them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, the apostle Paul writes, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The basic meaning of the word reconcile is to change thoroughly, through and through. It refers to a changed relationship between God and the lost world, lost humanity, you and me. It's a radical change between a holy God and an unholy people made righteous through Christ. It was accomplished by Christ on the cross. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen? 
we have a new position. In Christ, we have a new position. We have a new perspective. We see people differently. We see them through the cross. Amen? We see them as Christ sees them. In Christ. I love to give this illustration when I speak about in Christ. This pen represents you and me. This Bible is the word that became flesh. It's Jesus. And when I think about living in Christ, I can't help but see myself saturated in the word that became flesh. Amen? In Christ. Who do you see? Who do you see? You see Jesus. Do you see Pat? Do you see that pen that represents me, that represents you? No, we we see Jesus no matter how you approach this book. All you do is you, you, see, you see Jesus. You see Jesus. And because I'm inside of Jesus in Christ, and Christ is in me, when I look through this book to you, I look through the eyes of who? Jesus. I look through the eyes of Jesus because I'm in Christ. So inside of Christ, Every which way I look, I have to look through to you through Jesus. And so I'll see you through Jesus' eyes. I'll see you through his compassion. I'll see you through his love. Amen? I hope that encourages you today. The basic meaning of the word reconcile is to change thoroughly. It's a radical change. A radical change. And it's accomplished by Christ on the cross. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Number three, we have a new purpose or mission, ministry. However you want to call it, I was working with the P's. We have a new purpose, a new mission, a new ministry. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation right here in the context of our text. Look at verse 18, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. God has given believers this amazing responsibility, this ministry of reconciliation that he uses us. Think about that. He uses us to tell the world that, that they can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. He's given us, he's given the church, he's given every believer this ministry of reconciliation. He hasn't given it to anyone else. He's given it to you. He's given it to me. That's our purpose in this world, we're to tell people, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. God is making his appeal through us as his ambassadors. Paul writes, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent Jesus Christ. On the cross, God did not declare war on the world. At the cross, he declared peace. Amen? He declared peace, reconciliation between himself and a fallen world. I'm so grateful. 
He has sent his ambassadors, every believer, you and me, into the world to declare peace and, and not war. Satan is working 24-7 to tear every, every institution apart in the world. Families. He's the one that promotes wars in families and, and, and marriages and governments. Even in churches. But Christ, in partnership with his church, are involved in the ministry of reconciliation, bringing things back to God. Isn't that glorious, church? That's our purpose. That's our mission. That's our ministry. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. One day, God will declare war. And then it will be too late for those who have rejected the Savior, the message of reconciliation. Would you take a moment and turn with, turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1? I'd like to take a moment and read verses 3 through 10. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verses three through 10. I need to get my other set of eyes. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting. I love that. Because your faith grows exceedingly. And the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions. Oh, the church in Thessalonica was under tremendous persecution for the cause of the gospel. In tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also Suffer. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes. And in that day, to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Let's finish reading verses 11 and 12. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. You know, we like to avoid a lot of those types of passages today. They don't give us the warm fuzzies, but we need to hear the full counsel of God's word. Can I hear a big amen, church? The day is coming when the pleading will end. I was pondering on this passage earlier this morning, and I was overcome with grief in my spirit. 
and just found myself just crying out to God as I had different faces come before me who are rejecting the pleading, be reconciled to God. People in the church, not in the world, but people in the church community who are rejecting the pleading of God through the church be reconciled to God. The day is coming when the pleading will end. Oh, hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to his church. The Apostle Paul was writing this letter to the church in Thessalonica. He was writing this letter to believers. The day is coming when the pleading will end. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where God offers his amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. I once was blind. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Amen. Was blind, but now I see. Today is the day of salvation. Today, God's grace is available. But one day, that grace door is going to shut. Today, today is the day. The day is coming when the pleading will end. The Apostle Paul, he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, Now then, we who are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Church, I could really just weep right now because I'm, my heart is grieving over some individuals that are even present here today. And I love you enough to share this passage and to share this truth. What in this world, what in this world that you are seeking after, these worldly pleasures that you're seeking after? What is your soul worth? Your soul is worth this, this worldly pleasure that brings a, a, a moment of, of, of satisfaction, but it's just a moment of satisfaction, but it brings a, an everlasting destruction upon you. For a moment, a, a moment of pleasure for an everlasting destruction? Your soul is so, has so much more value. And that's why Jesus left heaven and he came here. Oh, hear, please hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to his church today. I must ask you today, is there anyone here who has not yet been reconciled to God? You've not been reconciled to God. Today is the day of salvation. Understanding the doctrine of regeneration that Paul talks about in today's main scripture text, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, helps our faith 
in a tremendous way. I'll just share three, three ways that it helps our faith as, as I bring our message to a conclusion. Number one, it helps you grow in Christ. This work of, of regeneration, the doctrine of regeneration, helps you grow in Christ. I've been giving us a lot of scriptures. Now, here's some practical application. Helps you grow in Christ. Nothing dead grows. Did you hear that, church? Nothing dead grows. There must be life for something to grow. Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And so this work of of regeneration helps you and me grow in Christ because nothing dead grows. There must be life. We had to be regenerated. We had to be reborn. We had to be born again. The breath of heaven had to breathe in us and raise us out of our dead state, dead in our trespasses and sins. And so the work of regeneration helps you and me grow in Christ. Without it, we'd still be dead in our trespasses and sins. We, we would not be able to grow in Christ. We would not be in Christ. Number two, it helps you overcome discouragement. And that's important. I love 1 Peter 1.23. It says, having been born again, You see, regeneration is a completed work. (laughs) Sanctification is an ongoing work. Have you ever felt like you are the sorriest or saddest example of a Christian? Have you ever had one of those moments? I sure have. Maybe I'm alone here today. Regeneration is a completed transformation, church, that begins a continuing process of growth, becoming more and more like Jesus. That process is called sanctification. Regeneration is a completed work. It's a finished work already in the believer's life. Sanctification is an ongoing work. And that's why we feel like we do sometimes, like I'm the, oh, I'm just the sorriest Christian on the planet. Because I'm in that process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus. And the devil will mess with your head. He'll implant thoughts of loser, hypocrite. Oh, God's done with you. All all lies, by the way. All lies. And so the work of regeneration also helps you and me overcome discouragement. And 1 Peter 1.23 says, having been born again. Having been born again. How many here have been born again? Again, regeneration is a completed work. Sanctification is an ongoing work. As you navigate the story that is unfolding in your life, you'll walk into times of discouragement. It seems that the harder you run after God, the harder the devil is running after you. He tries to trip us up by dropping little hints of discouragement in our hearts. You're unworthy. You're no good. You're a terrible father. You're a terrible mother. You're a terrible husband. You're a terrible wife. 
You're a terrible this. You're a terrible that. You'll never be any better than this. Well, how discouraging is that? You know, the worst part is the devil doesn't necessarily speak in complete lies. He gives us half-truths. Just enough to hit us between the eyes. He likes to bring up our mistakes. He likes to bring up our failures, our sins. Church, we know our new position in Christ. Can we say in Christ? In Christ? Do you know your new position in Christ? Because it's critical to you walking in in victory and not succumbing to the enemy's lies and, and walking around defeated as a victim. This is so crucial. So practical. I think we all can identify with it. Church, we know our new position in Christ. And when the devil begins to preach a sermon full of half-truths, you need to complete the sermon. Finish the devil's sermon. Preach the second half to him. Tell the devil... The devil will always try to show you the downside of your story. He will. He's not going to show you your upside. He's going to show you your downside. Tell him, show him who Jesus says you are. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. All the old what? Things have passed away. And behold, all things, all things have become new. And lastly, the work of regeneration helps you stand up against temptation. Pastor Dan, you shared from this text a couple Sundays ago, 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. All the old things pass away. We are not a prisoner to the power of sin. We have power over sin. It doesn't mean we don't sin, but we're not a prisoner. We're not a slave. It no longer is our master. We have a new master. We have a new victory. Amen? Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. I hope that encourages you here this morning. Not only do we have the enemy, uh, the the, the enemy, the, the, the devil, but we also have the enemy of our flesh. But this flesh, you know, when I, was, when I was born again, my parents still knew who I was. I still looked like that 10-year-old boy with all the freckles. My outward appearance didn't change. But there was something that Wednesday night that changed instantly. And that's your story as well. The inside changed. Amen? The inside changed. I was given a new heart, a new spirit. Amen. This flesh right here, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. Mm -mm. It's who I fight, but it's not who I am. That's not who you are. It's who you fight. And the reason why you fight this flesh It's because you are a new creation. And the new is always uncomfortable with the old. 
we're never comfortable around the old. Oh, there's a tension. There's, we're just uncomfortable. There's a fight. And church, in Christ, we're going to war our way all the way to heaven. We're going to fight our way all the way to heaven. In Christ, in Christ, who is our victory. Come on, church, let's praise his name. He's worthy to be praised. Would you stand with me today?